Hello, welcome to the Matthias J. Barker podcast. Uh, my name is Matthias. I'm a psychotherapist in Spokane, Washington, and this is the audio version of my talks that I post on YouTube and Instagram, just on topics like mental health and philosophy and topics in psychology and theology. Um, spans a lot of topics. I really try to make these personal and applicable to just kind of daily life. I talk a lot about all sorts of things. So I'm happy you're here. Let's talk about the power of one idea. This is actually a pretty underrated video, meaning it's one that I was super excited about, but I guess the title isn't super grabby and that's, that's just fine. It, and it's kind of a complex psychological idea, but I think if you really grasp it, it has the potential to be super transformative and really life-changing. So I'm excited to show it to you. And I would normally start, I guess, at the beginning of all my videos. If, uh, if you're a nerd and you go back and you look, this is actually the second video that I've ever posted. The first one, I cannot find the audio track. I don't know where the video is. I think I deleted it because if I'm being honest, I didn't think these videos would, I don't know, turn into much. So I wasn't super careful about, I don't know, designating a file to keep everything stored. So anyway, uh, so we're starting with the second video because that's the audio I can find. So... Also, um, are you supposed to leave reviews for podcasts? I have done almost no research into how to start a podcast. Um, I don't know what makes them successful or unsuccessful. So I guess leave a review. I don't know if that helps. I don't know, even know what that would do. So maybe, <laughs> maybe do that and share this podcast, I guess. Do you sh I've never really shared a podcast with anybody. I don't listen to podcasts very often. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I watch a lot of YouTube videos. So this is totally new territory for me. So if anyone has any expertise on what I should be doing to <laughs> make sure this podcast is successful, I'm open to ideas. So I guess leave a review. I hear other podcasters say that, so I think that's what you're supposed to say. And uh, maybe my plan moving forward was this would be a space that I could do um, some interviews with some scholars that I respect and admire. And, and I have a few of that or a few of those getting lined up right now. Uh, so you could expect those uh, maybe early next year. Uh, just some scholars in the field of psychology, maybe um, uh, theology, philosophy. I'd, I'd love to have some engaging conversations with people that I respect. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Okay, so this first video, The Power of One Idea. I hope you enjoy it. I'll talk to you soon. Today I wanted to reflect on something I learned reading Stephen Hayes' new book. Um, do I have it here? A Liberated Mind. And in the book he uses an analogy that I thought was really compelling and I wanted to share it with you. So um, I have a picture here of three girls. Let's see if it'll focus. In this picture are three girls. And if I told you that they were related, if they're in the same family, what kind of ways could they be related? You might look at them and think, oh, okay, they're three sisters. Or, you know, maybe they're... Um, related, like uh, they all have the same mom, but they have different dads, or maybe they're cousins, or maybe they're married, like, you know, who knows? There's, there's a lot of different ways that they could be related. And what's interesting is that our minds can do that. Our minds can actually con conceptualize these entire different, not just different relations between those three girls, but we can conceptualize entirely different family trees. One relation, one piece of information just between you know, these three girls can change your entire conception of the whole system that they're attached to. Does that make sense? Is that too, is that too heady? Well, here's, here's how that's useful is one idea, one thing that you've misunderstood, one opinion about yourself, one opinion about the person that you love most 
might have enough impact to throw off not just that specific dynamic in your relationship or that specific piece of how you think about yourself, but the entire system. The entire system can be different based off of one idea. And that I thought was super compelling. You know, when I was, when I was 10 years old, my family moved to China and my dad used to work for a company called AOL back when that was a thing. And uh, we moved over there and I remember going uh, to fifth grade in a school full of people from all over the world. It was kind of like this Western school. So there's people from Europe, but also people from like South Africa and India and Australia and just kind of like a bunch of different countries all kind of compiled together. And I had a really difficult time socializing in that environment. And um, I, I also had just like kind of friends in the neighborhood that were from different cultures. And culture shock can be defined as not really knowing how to elicit the kind of response that you want to get out of somebody or not knowing how to um, behave in such a way where you build bonds, okay? So that's maybe like a good definition of culture shock. And so I didn't know how to be funny. I didn't know how to joke. I didn't know how to play. I didn't know how to elicit the response from my peers that I wanted um, in this brand new environment. And I was really frustrated by that. So frustrated by that, that I ended up failing fifth grade. Like I flunked tests and wasn't studying and was bullied a lot and it was a really, really challenging year. And my interpretation of me failing fifth grade and having to repeat it was, I'm stupid. And that was the wrong interpretation. However, that idea impacted an entire system of behavior all the way up until maybe I was like 23, 24. So when I got back to the United States, I was in eighth grade, I remember taking Mr. Spano's pre-algebra math class and just thinking in my, in my mind, like, I'm stupid, I can't do math, I'm, I'm bad at this. And so what I did is I copied off of my friend Gabe who sat just like right kind of to the front and left of me. And uh, I could see all his answers plain as day. And I don't remember why like we weren't required to show our work in math, but I I got like an A, like an a in the class just off of copying Gabe because we did these scantrons and I had to put the answers in. And um, I remember feeling super guilty about this and and actually confessing to Mr. Spano at the end of the year. I was just like, hey, I've been cheating kind of this whole time. And I remember Mr. Spano, he's like this really short Italian guy with a big mustache. And he looked at me and he's like, Matthias, I appreciate your honesty. And I'm going to pass you because you're an honest guy. I was like, at the time, I was elated, but as an adult, I'm just horrified. I'm like, why in the world did he do that? Because that set me up for such failure. Because then I went into high school, and I went into algebra, and I had no conception of just the basic formulas or basic relationships of algebra, and I continually failed because I didn't understand it. And that reinforced this wrong conception, this wrong link, this wrong idea. I'm stupid. I can't do this. And this led to me getting C's and D's all throughout high school, barely getting into college. I got into college on academic probation, um, and I went to this small, tiny little satellite campus um, that was in the basement of a church here in Spokane, Washington. And, uh, and I got into college, but then I immediately met my wife like in two weeks of freshman year. And let's just say I was, I was kind of preoccupied with, with things besides school. And, uh, and I wasn't doing well in class, but instead of challenging that in myself, I just thought, well, yeah, that makes sense. I'm stupid. And I can't do school. And I, it wasn't until I had a professor my freshman, sophomore year, um, really challenge me and just be like, why are you writing such crappy papers? And I'm like, that's the best I can do. And he's like, no, it's not. 
Like, I know you can do better th than this. Matthias, you misspelled the word decision. Like, <laughs> you you have spell check, don't you? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you're not putting in effort. You're not trying. You're not making something that you're proud of. Why not? I'm like, I, I can't. He's like, you can't. Redo this paper. Do something Do something you're proud of. And and this this kind of, you know, him contending for me and contending for my intellect was, was kind of right alongside of me taking... Uh, a, a class in anthropology for the first time and learning about culture shock for the first time and kind of retrospectively looking back and being like, oh, what I was experiencing was culture shock. And I was really frustrated and it was really hard being in that new school with all this, these new kinds of social cues that I didn't really know how to read or interact with. And that's why I failed fifth grade. Wait, Mr. Spano. He passed me, and I didn't know any of it. I, I didn't suck at math in high school because I'm just stupid. I, I didn't know the equations. I didn't know the relationships. And it was like this, you know, cascading effect to, like, realizing, oh, I am way more capable um, than I thought I was. And after that, I got straight A's in college. Just, like, I went from, like, kind of C's and D's even in college to, like, like shooting up. And, uh, and then <clears throat> graduated my master's with straight A's and, uh, read like tons and just have really developed and enjoyed intellectual life. But that's because I changed just one link. I changed just one relationship at one, in one part of my past that evolved into an entirely different way of interacting with the whole system. And I wonder for you, I wonder, you know, have you, do you have friends that you see, like, they have just a weak link in their system, and you just know that if that little piece was resolved, they'd be so much happier? Like, I think of, you know, do you have that friend that's just dating tons of people, and maybe she's, like, uh, trying to, like, you know, date all these guys, and you're like, why do you keep picking these guys? They suck. And, and they're, like, really mistreating her, and she really craves to be desired and find satisfaction with these guys that is just like obvious to everyone around her are just bad and and you just can't figure out like why in the world is she doing that and and it makes sense it makes sense why she does that like maybe maybe there was a, a form of betrayal or she was mistreated by someone in the past and she blames herself in that situation and so in order to kind of find mastery in order to like correct her mistake she's thinking okay i gotta find that same situation and then just be better this time. And if I do that, then it'll work. Because maybe she just has a weak link in how she interpreted or how she thought of this past experience. Maybe it was with her dad, maybe it was with a past relationship or a boyfriend, maybe it was a sexual trauma, but somewhere in her past, she decided whatever kind of dysfunction that hurt her was her fault. And that the answer is to continually repeat that cycle of mistreatment and just to perform better so that it works out differently, but it's not working. And it's plain as day to her, to, you know, her friends. Blame's tricky. You know, it can be, it can be on the other side of the equation too, where it's dysfunctional. Like take, take like a circumstance where, you know, there's a, there's a married couple and, and the wife cheated on the husband and the husband's just filled with resentment. <clears throat> you know, this is super common where, it, it turns into, maybe let's say they tried to repair and they're trying to like, you know, work through it. They're trying to like bring it back together. But um, the husband's just having a really hard time letting things go. Yeah, a really hard time moving on from what happened. And it's 
kind of turning into this these habits of behaviors where he's checking her phone all the time and he's always watching her and he, and he, and he doesn't really let her spend money in the same kind of way and 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 then it just continues to evolve into more and more frustrations where he's just like kind of getting mad at everything that she's doing and, and it, even like really mundane simple things like maybe <clears throat> she told him I'm making spaghetti tonight and then he comes home and there's tacos and he just lights up and you look at that and you think well why in the world is he getting mad over all these mundane things and it's because every argument is about that argument every disagreement that they're having every point of contention every irritation isn't about tacos or spaghetti it's about the betrayal it's about broken trust and in every tiny little instance he's punishing and expressing frustration and contempt and resentment um for the betrayal and you know experiencing that has just been completely overwhelming and it's dissolving the whole relationship into you know friends looking from the outside it's obvious what's happening it's like why are you getting mad over tacos and, and maybe it's not even evident to to him it's just like i i don't know i'm just like i'm just every time i see her i just rah, i just feel the frustration and there's there's a misinterpretation of a link in there that's impacting the entire system there's a desire to hold on to that resentment, to not move into healing and the wounds that took place in that betrayal. And, and maybe, uh, you know, so in the first example, maybe the blame was misplaced onto the person. But in this instance, it's like all the blame is misplaced onto the other person. Everything's her fault. Every ounce of discomfort or irritation I experience is her fault because she betrayed me. And it's... It's infecting the whole system when really there needs to be an understanding. Maybe there needs to be a realization that I'm contributing to the culture of hurt and repair and healing and, and betray like the entire like aftermath of this whole event isn't just about her making me feel like I can trust her again. It's also me stepping out in vulnerability and taking some ownership over my own feelings to build this thing back up together. And I, I'm telling you, blame is like this this fine point that usually where the system is, is is broken. So when we're thinking maybe together, okay, where's where in the system and the network is my weak link? It's commonly in the place of our deepest shame or our deepest betrayal. And the wall that we build around it so that we don't have to deal with it is some sort of misattribution of blame. It's, it's either we're blaming ourselves for something that isn't our fault. We're blaming someone else for something that we have responsibility in. It's complicated. So what do we do about that? Well, we, we process it and we face it head on. And there's good reason to. Because it's not effective to live in a system that is tainted by a weak link. It's not. like I mean, in my example, it's like that... That really kind of destroyed my academic like performance all the way up till I was 23. That's 10 years of damage, 10 years of things I could have been learning and enjoying because I had a misconception over why I failed fifth grade. And it's, it's good to be in line with reality because when, when we're in line with reality, then our behaviors elicit the response that we want them to elicit. You know, we, we're, we're operating in a system that is functioning and is clicking and is yielding the results that we desire i um i was putting together a screen door uh 
over the weekend and I didn't look at the instructions and I didn't use a measuring tape just thinking ah, I can hang this screen door it's probably fine and and it took me four hours I was not in line with reality <laughs> I was not I was not paying attention to the intricacies of what hanging a screen door demanded of me I um, was trying to circumvent the system and it didn't work I had a weak link I had a misinterpretation my misinterpretation was I can hang a door just fine it's a rectangle and it goes in a rectangle spot it's probably okay um, nope wrong what are the things in your life that are taking forever to get better that maybe if you realigned the way that you were interacting with reality if you fixed the weak link if you just changed maybe even just one idea about how you're interpreting the whole situation it could be better what are the things in your life that the relationships the discord in your marriage and the, the frustration you're having with your kid the the frustration you're having with your own goals your career what are the things that just aren't it doesn't matter how much effort you put into it it just doesn't yield the result that you want what is that for you and could it be that somewhere along the line somewhere in the system of thoughts and ideas and how you're organizing all of this there's one piece that you've misinterpreted and maybe that one piece has to do with the part of you that feels the most betrayed or the most amount of shame. Those are my reflections for this Friday. I hope you have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week.